All right, good morning. Welcome you to the Lord's house this morning. Good to see all of you. Good to see all the babies this morning. I'm not even going to start because I'll forget somebody's name. But anyway, glad to have all. I loved it. I was watching, uh, I had to miss, I think I was in Mexico. And I came back, of course, and then I watched the service here while I was gone. And I watched it and I heard babies screaming. And that's a, that's a good sound. I, I love to hear babies screaming in church. Okay, so just just let them cry. I don't I don't care. Somebody dropped a bouncy ball right there. You might want to that's throw throw that back. That's a good that's a good sound. Let's 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 stand together and we'll pray and worship the Lord. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered together. In his name, he is here. And I just want you to take a second and think about that, that we don't have to invite the Lord here, right? He's already here. He was waiting for you when you came in. So I don't know what you came in with. And I don't know what's on your mind. I don't know what's on your heart. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know any of that. But God does, and He has been waiting for you. He has been anxiously waiting for you. And here you are, and here He is. So let's worship Him in that way, spirit and in truth. Father, help us to come into your house today and worship you in spirit and in truth. Your, your word tells us, because that's exactly what you want. Help us to put aside... Uh, all the other stuff that's, that, that weighs us down, that burdens us down, and uh, give it to you as people have come into the Lord's house to, today with praise. Help us to give that to you as people have come into the Lord's house today with burdens and cares and prayers. Help us to give that to you. Help us to give ourselves to, to you as you've been waiting for us to get here, here, here we are, and here you are. Help us to worship you today in spirit and in truth. Get our, get our minds right, our hearts right, and our souls right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Shine among us, it's glory. 
want to come to you and we just thank you for your forgiveness Lord we thank you for loving us we thank you for caring for us we thank you for allowing us to be here today God just we want to lift you up today in Jesus name amen
That is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you If you have your Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter uh, 3, 1 through 12. Actually, I've got 1 through 10. The screen says 1 through 12. Uh, we'll read 1 through 10. I want to leave that title page up there a little longer than I usually do, but you can be making your way to Matthew chapter 3, 1 through 10. If you notice on the announcements, I want to bring attention to that. Uh, I had the scripture on my mind a lot. It comes out of Luke chapter 15. It's the beginning of the story of the prodigal son. But Jesus uses the analogy of a shepherd who has 100 sheep and leaves the 99 to go look for that one who is lost. And on the announcement, really the only announcement that we've got, and I'm, I'm kind of glad it's worked out that way. A lot of weeks we have all kinds of things going on, a lot of announcements about, about a lot of things. We really don't have much. We don't have much going on until 
Easter. E Easter's two weeks away. I would like for us to concentrate on that one person, at least one. I don't care if it's five or ten. But the point is that there's somebody out there, somebody that you know doesn't, doesn't go to church. Easter's one of those days that they, they actually might come, okay? Uh, I want you to be thinking. I want you to be, want you to be praying. I want you to th be thinking and praying about that that one. Now we're not trying to take people from other from other churches. We're trying to take people who don't trying to find people who don't go to church. So let the Holy Spirit deal with you, speak to you about who that person might uh, be. So we've got two weeks, and you just uh, next week. Guess what? It's going to be the same thing. Okay, who is that person? Doesn't go to church that that you might be able to reach that you might be able to ask and you know what they might just come okay I, I realize when you're talking to people who don't go to church and invite them to church there's a kind of a probably a small chance that they'll come what do you think the chances are if you don't ask none okay so uh, ask okay so be 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 praying be seeking uh, who is that that one person in the story there's a hundred sheep but there's one that's lost that leaves the fold, and the, so there are there are there are 99 left. The size of the fold that's left is irrelevant to the shepherd. All he cares about, he can't get it out of his mind that there's one out there who's lost. And I'm praying that that would happen to me and to us. We just cannot get it out of our head. Cannot get it out of our mind. But there's that person that I'm thinking about that I care about. And uh, let's see what we can do to reach them. On the title page, uh, same text as last week, John the Baptist baptizing. And last week we dealt more with the, almost exclusively the Pharisees and the Sadducees that came to John. If you were here, you, you recall that. Today we're going to talk about John. Okay, John, John the Baptist. But before we read the text, I want you to look at the look at the at the title page. It took me a little bit when, the first time Matt showed it to me. Uh, what is that? Those are those are umbrellas. I, I hope you can see that. The whole bunch of black umbrellas. There's one yellow one that really stands out. I want you to pick out, and it doesn't matter. It's not a test. I want you to pick out one of the black ones, one of the black umbrellas, not the yellow one. I want you to pick out one of the black umbrellas that represents you. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but I'm looking at it. All right, I, I picked one out. I want you to pick one out. All right, at the end of the, the service, I hope I can remember, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay, all right, the text. Matthew chapter 3, we'll read 1 through 10, concentrating more on John the Baptist this week. There's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements, if you'd like to use that. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, So Isaiah prophesied about who John would be and what John would do. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair 
with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and, and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Just remembering the text we just read, what an odd character that John is. And what a, if you remember back, you'd have to go to the book of Luke to find this, but John is a distant, he's a cousin of Jesus, born six months before him. And if you remember back in the book of Luke, uh, Luke Luke chapter one and two, where John is born to the family of Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest. Well, John should be a priest too if he follows what everybody expects him to do. John should be a priest too because his father was. Well, obviously, when you read the description of John in the, wil- in the wilderness, how he dressed, what, what he ate, a very unique character, very unique man, and how God used him. And, and it was prophesied that he would be like this. Well, here he is. But very unlike what the family probably thought he should be, very unlike what the culture around him thought he should be, and so, uh, but very much like what God said he would be, and very much like what God called him to be. So the message this morning is about John the Baptist, but it's about you and your uniqueness and how God can use you and what he's called you to be. On the screen in the first part of your outline, here's the question. What has God called you to be? What has God called you to be? And I, 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 I thought about that when I wrote that, and my, the first time I wrote it, I, I wrote, what has God called you to do? But I thought, now it needs to be more than that. What has God called you to be? Now, the question isn't, what does everybody else think you should be? What's everybody else think you should do? What's your culture think you should be? What do your parents think you should be? The question is, who has God called you to be? And that's, a, that's like one of the most important questions you're ever going to answer. What has God called me to be? Who has God called you to reach? Because God has created you for someone. Who has God called you to reach? Okay, It's really not about you. It's about Jesus working through you. So who's God called you to be? And who has God called you to reach? Now, right here, I'm not going to go any further. This is one of those messages where you can easily leave the Lord's house this morning, walk, walk out, say, well, yeah, what, he's, what he said was fine and, and good, but I, 
so what? I'm, no, I'm not really going to change. A lot of people, maybe most people, I don't know, walk out of the Lord's house, and this really isn't going to change anything. You're going to go right back and keep doing the same thing. You're going to go right back and keep, keep being the same thing. You're going to go right back and not reaching anyone. Okay? Or you can take seriously the fact that God has created you to be someone and that God has created you to reach someone. Okay? And then begin to change and focus your life around that. I'm going to get hung up on that. Next screen. Not everyone will respond if we read in the text. Not everyone will respond. I don't, I don't care what you do. I don't care what direction you take. I don't care what God makes you to be. There, you will not find an example of anyone in Scripture that God used that everyone responded positively to. So you cannot base your search on what really works well. You know, I, I don't know, maybe you can a little bit. But not everyone will respond to you. You've got to find who God wants you to be. And then you've got to find who God wants you to reach. It's going to be different than me. It's going to be different than every, everyone around you. You are so unique in how God made you. And the people that you will be able to reach. There's some people I can just, I can talk so easily to. I'm just so comfortable around them, and you wouldn't be at all. And then the other way is true too. There's some people you're so comfortable with. I just I don't even know how to I don't know how to talk to them. Okay, we're each all so differently. Going on, this kind of I just kind of threw this in there. I I use this a lot in my own life. You can't lead them. For some reason, my screen back there is cut off, so I'm going to look at th this one. You can't lead them if you need them. You're, you're trying to find what God wants you to be, who God wants you to be, who God wants you to reach. Okay, he is who you need. Okay, you can't lead them if you need them. Then the last one, they need you to be you, not them. So John the Baptist, such a unique character, stood out. He was the yellow umbrella, okay? And they needed somebody like that. And they're not going to go and search and turn to somebody who's already like them. And so that uniqueness in you, that, that godness in you has got to stand out. I realize, I understand trying to fit in with a crowd. But if you do that too much, if that becomes the emphasis, I need to fit in with that crowd, then why would that crowd turn to you in their time of need? Why would they look to you to help them if you're just like them? And so it's letting that Godness in us stand out and be who he has made us to be. Okay, no, no, nothing more on the screen. Matt, I guess, if you don't mind, since there's nothing else on the screen, just go ahead and go back to the title page and just leave, leave the umbrellas up there. Now, I'm going to share a story that's biblical, it's a, um, and you can, you can kind of go along with, with me. It comes out of the middle part of the book of Acts. It's the second missionary journey of Paul. I'm going to look at Paul and Silas. Never, I've been thinking about this for several weeks. I've never preached this. The Bible tells us 
very little about Silas, but there's a lot that you can glean from just what happened. The Bible doesn't come out and say this man was like that, but just by what happened, the incidents, you can glean about a little bit about wh who Silas was and how God used him. Paul and Barnabas, if you remember the story, come back from their first missionary journey. They come home to Antioch, and they, re they report how things went. In the first journey, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. John Mark gets tired of it all, leaves, deserts them, okay? So when Paul and Barnabas get back and they report to the church, after a little while, Paul being Paul, said, I just can't stand staying in one place long. We're, we're, let's go back and check on the churches that we, that we started. Barnabas and Paul, let's go back and check on the ch churches. Barnabas says, Barnabas, the name means son of encouragement. This is a good thing, but he's one of the nicest men in Scripture. Every time you read something about him, it's always good. Really nice guy. Okay? So Barnabas says, well, all right, yes, let's go on the journey again. I want to take John Mark with us. Again, I want to give John Mark another try. I want to give him another chance. Paul said, no, no. Barnabas is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Paul is not, okay? Paul may be one of the most spiritual men you'll ever meet. Here's a, here's a hint. Spiritual and nice are not necessarily the same thing, okay? You, all right, some of you, uh, spiritual and nice, spiritually mature and nice are not necessarily the same thing. I get tired of people associating the two. Now, some of you are thinking, thank God, because <laughs> I, really, I really needed to hear that. And some of you were thinking, well, I thought they were the same. They're not. So Paul said, no. No, I'm not giving him a second chance. Barnabas said, yeah, we got to give. Barnabas will not turn loose of it. He's such a nice guy. He will not turn loose. So Barnabas and John Mark go their way. The contention, the Bible says, the contention between Barnabas and Paul got so strong that they parted ways. Paul chose Silas. Why? He's not like Barnabas. He's different. Okay? Bible doesn't tell us how, but he's got to be different. He's not the same. Along the way, I'm going to jump way ahead. Along the way, what's going to happen is Paul and Silas eventually have to get into a prison in Philippi. Why? Because there's a Philippian jailer there, and I'm intrigued by this, and his, <clears throat> and his household who needs to be saved. Now, Paul doesn't know this. Silas doesn't know this. Nobody knows this. God knows this. And he's, he's arranging the circumstances where Paul and Silas have to get in that Philippian jail because there's a man there who's ready to be saved. Okay? They just don't know it yet. But the circumstances have to be worked out that that can happen. So Paul and Silas go on the journey. They, they, they come to place after, after place, and they, they get to one section that's very, very interesting, very instructive. Paul, I'll just do it this way for sake of time. Paul tries to turn left. Holy Spirit says no. 
Paul trying, oh, all right, Paul tries to turn right. The Holy Spirit says no. Paul, I don't know what to do. He keeps on going straight. All the Holy Spirit said was no. It didn't tell him which direction to go. All the Holy Spirit said was no. It didn't tell him which direction to go. Paul just keeps on going straight. They come to a town called Troas. And at Troas, Paul and Silas pick up another man named Timothy. Bab- baptize him and, and take him. And apparently, the Bible doesn't say this, they picked up the man Luke. Because Luke writes the story. Luke shifts from they, them, he shifts to us, we. Luke joined the team there, so there's four men there, at least, maybe more. In Troas, Paul gets the vision. A man of Macedonia, which, which Philippi is the principal town of, of that place, in a vision at night, in a dream, Paul sees a vision of a man of Macedonia waving, please come over and help us. I'm curious if there was, if, if he looked like the jailer. Come over and help us. And, and Paul discerned and un, un, understood Philippi is where we need to go. And so at least the four men went that way. Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke. They get to the town, they, they meet with some uh, people in town, they meet by the river and pray, they don't know anything about the town, they've never started a church here, they don't, they don't know anything, but God knows he's got to get them in that Philippian jail. While they're in town, walk, walking around, just minding their own business, there's a slave girl who's demon-possessed, a spirit of divination, She's like a witch, a sorceress. And she follows behind Paul, and I love the way the scripture says that. She follows behind Paul day after day. Paul gets so annoyed. Now, Barnabas, if he would have been along, he would have said, hey, let's just put up with it. Paul, I'm not putting up with this. He gets so annoyed. He gets so mad. Paul needed an anger management class, I think, somewhere along the way. He gets so mad that he turns around and he casts the demon out. He doesn't say he did it because of sympathy. He did it because of anger. That's the personality of Paul. He casts the demon out. I'm so tired of that and casts the demon out. The people who own the girl, now their uh, prophet from her is gone. She's no longer a witch, a sorceress. Paul casts her out. They haul Paul and Silas before the magistrates. Why did they haul Silas to the magistrates? When I read that, be real careful here. Visit a lot of people in jail. I've, I've been, I've seen people go, the magistrates then, magistrates now, really not that much different. They do not want to throw people in jail unless they just have to. If Paul would have just said, I'm sorry, here, you know, let me give you a little bit to pay for what I just did. Uh, I'm sorry, can I, can I take it back? And when they arrested Paul, why did they take Silas with him? 
I get the feeling, I get the feeling, feeling Silas will not keep his mouth shut. He just will not keep his mouth shut. And that's why we know in a little while, at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing in jail. And I imagine the other prisoners are thinking, can you guys not just keep your mouth shut for a little while? No. Silas is as opposite of Barnabas, I think, as you can possibly get. So they arrest Paul, and I don't know if Silas stood up in the way or whatever, and finally the magistrate said, hey, we'll just take you, you too. He didn't do anything. But he just can't keep his mouth shut. And he can't, he can't just step back. You know, if, if you'll just step back from the situation, you won't get in near as much trouble. If you'll just step back from the situation, you won't get thrown in jail with Paul. If you'll just back up, if you'll just keep your mouth shut, if you'll do that, you, you won't see near as much action. But he, he just wouldn't do it. And so they haul Paul and Silas into jail. And now the story becomes a little more familiar to, to you. At midnight, they're singing and praying. You know, Christians at midnight, what ought you to be doing? Sleeping. But they're not. And I just wonder, and it says all the prisoners were listening to them. You know what? They weren't singing like some of you sing. They weren't praying like some of you pray. Some of you pray so no one else will hear you. Some of you sing so no one else will hear you. That's not Paul and Silas. The whole prison's awake. Listening to them singing and praying. If they would just keep their mouth shut, a Philippian jailer would still be lost. You know that? If they would just stay out of trouble, a Philippian jailer and his household would still be lost. If they would just back off, if they just keep their mouth shut, if they just stay out of trouble, if they would just back off, then the whole journey is worthless. Nothing accomplished. But they just won't do it. I bet you Barnabas would have. But Paul and Silas won't. And the great earthquake, the chains fell off, and I can just see Paul say, hey, 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 everybody, stay, stay put, stay put, don't move, don't move. Now, the, the other prisoners wanted to go. I, I would. The jail, the doors open up, the handcuffs come off, I'm gone. Paul said, no, 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 stay put, stay put, stay put. Why? The jailer comes in, and he sees everybody's still there. He's ready to kill himself. And Paul's just, you know, stay put, everybody. And the jailer can't believe it. And he falls down at Paul's feet. He said, what must I do to be saved? I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like, I've never seen anybody act like this. I've never heard anybody sing like that. I've never heard anybody pray like that. 
There's something different about you. What must I do to be saved? If Paul and Silas were like everybody else, that Philippian jailer and his household would still be lost. But they just wouldn't back up. They just wouldn't shut up. They were determined to be different and see people come to Jesus because of that. Okay. Look at your umbrella. I picked out row number two, umbrella number three. Or was it row number three, umbrella number two? I don't remember. It was either row number two, umbrella three, or row number three, umbrella number two. I can't remember which one it was. But you see the title of the message. What difference does it make? It doesn't make any difference. You know where I'm going, right? You know the next question. What difference do you make? Are you making a difference? It could be that nobody's hearing you pray. It could be that nobody's hearing you sing. You know what I mean? It could be that nobody's hearing your testimony because you don't ever give it. It could be that no one comes to church because you don't ever invite them. It could be. What difference does it make which black umbrella you are? It doesn't make any difference. But John the Baptist was the yellow one. Paul and Silas were the yellow one. They stand out. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm getting old enough that I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I've got just a, so much time left, so much little time left, that it's time. I've just, I just don't want to just waste the rest of my life. I want to make a difference while I've still got time. You're not as old as I am. I get that. But I'm telling you, it just burns in my heart that I've just got that much time left. Make a difference while I've got that time left. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to back off. I'm not. There are 99 sheep. There are 199 sheep. There are 299. It doesn't matter. There's still one out there. There's still one out there. And I cannot get that one out of my mind. There's still a jailer in Philippi and his household that needs to be saved. Somebody's got to get inside that jail. And God's got it worked out if you'll do what He asks you to do. And you realize that's an analogy, right? I don't know how that's going to work out in your life, but there's somebody somewhere at that workplace, at that school, in that jail, in this place, in that place, that God's got for you to reach. But you're not ever going to do it if you're just one of the uh, black umbrellas like everybody else. God has made you so unique, so different. What I'm asking you is to let God use that. Let the Holy Spirit use that to reach somebody. Make a difference. I'm going to ask the, the musicians to come and we're going to pray.
I'd ask the congregation to stand with me. We're going to pray for two people. I'm going to ask you to pray for two people. One of them is the person that he, the Holy Spirit, would have you reach. I'm going to give you a second. I want everybody to have somebody on their mind. There's somebody who's not here. Somebody who doesn't ever come here. Somebody for you to reach. I want them on your mind right now. And I want that to stay on your mind after you leave here. Somebody on your mind right now. We need to we need to pray for them. Who else is a the person? There's two people for you to pray for. And you already know who the other one is, right? It's you. We need to pray for that person who needs to be reached. I need to pray. I've got somebody on my mind. I've got quite a few on my mind. But I've got some one person right now on my mind. I just so much want to reach them. But I've got to do it right. And he has to see something in me that's different. He has to see something in me that's attractive. I don't want him to see me, though, do I? I want him to see Jesus in me. I want him to see Jesus through me. I need to pray for me. I've got two people that I need to pray for. That man and me. And let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. Let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. If you need to come and pray, you're burdened right now for that person and you're burdened right now for yourself. I'm ready to make a difference in somebody's life. While our band plays, this is our time to pray. I want you to just feel free. Let the Holy Spirit move you. You need to come and pray for somebody and then pray for yourself while they play. We invite you to come and pray. Jesus, Jesus, precious Lord, none on the earth or heavens above that I have found beautiful you are my treasure my great reward I just want to move your heart is all I want to do I just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you no matter how much the cost I feel Give it all to you, all to you. Jesus, Jesus, my offering, all my ambitions, my hopes, my dreams, and here's my life, Lord, a sacrifice. Just to bless you, I just want to move your heart, it's all I want to do, I just want to 